Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back and happy Father's Day. Um, Father's Day is one of those things that um, sometimes gets passed over just a bit after Mother's Day, but boy, fathers are becoming more and more important. I think we talked about that last week. Mother's Day is a slightly bigger holiday than Father's Day, but we are here to protest that, right, Linda? We think equality (laughs) in all things, including Mother's Day and Father's Day, and uh, we actually have a reason for feeling that way this weekend as we as we celebrate Father's Day, and that is fathers are more involved than they ever were before. We're convinced of that. We're gonna talk a little about that as we travel around meeting with parents. Dads today, and and this isn't true across the board, but generally speaking, and among the people we find ourselves with most weeks, dads are more involved than they ever have before. And we look at it in our own sons and sons-in-law too. I, I hate to admit it, but Every one of my sons and my sons-in-laws have changed more diapers than I ever did. They've probably done yeah. more dishes than I ever did. And I wasn't bad. I mean, I was a little ahead of my time. I was involved. I know. They, they even probably know how to turn on the washer and dryer and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get into that. <laughs> Honestly, um, it really is interesting how much more involved fathers are now. And, I, you know, as they're not all perfect, nor are mothers all perfect, but... It is so great to see dads struggling with kids out in the um, hall during church meetings and at the 7-Eleven and so on. And um, I, I just I love seeing those dads with, you know, the, all those runner buggies that they didn't have. Oh, yeah. Know, when we were in New York, buggies, but, boy, you know. I tell you, we saw as many dads this last trip to New York walking around in Central Park with their kids as we did moms. Yeah. Of course, there were more nannies than there were moms or dads, but uh, <laughs> no, seriously, dads really are more involved. And, you know, in fact, I loved walking Zara to school. We have a little five-year-old that's in kindergarten this year, and she's at PS9, which is public school number nine. On the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Upper West Side, and uh, I loved going to, taking her to school because the conversations, it, I love walking past people in crowds and just hearing bits yeah, of yeah, conversation, yeah. you know. There were so many committed dads, and the dads were all dressed at the hilt, you know, because they were on, on their, their way, way to work. work. And uh, moms, too, all, you know, decked out, lots of them, some in sweats and so on. But um, then in the afternoon, it was all nannies picking up, not all, but mostly nannies picking up kids and uh, just waiting for them to come out, all nationalities. And it was, it was just really fun to see. But those dads were incredible. They were just so engaged with their kids while they were walking along. And the show today really is kind of a tribute to fathers and to dads on this Father's Day weekend. And I want to I mention something. I've, I've never tried to quite articulate this before. But, you know, we are, we are doing, we're in the process right now, Linda and I, of putting together a documentary on what's happening to families over the last few years and it's it's loosely based on maybe 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 firmly based on our book the turning which is a book that tries to trace what's happened to families recently and it it makes the premise that probably more has changed with families in the last 40 years than the previous 4,000 years and a lot of it's negative like more cohabitation and less marriage and 
and more kids being raised by single parents and so on and so forth. But here's the here's the interesting thing I want to say in tribute to to dads on Father's Day. Um, as we've looked around and tried to film, we're beginning now to start filming um, family situations with the intent of showing how families are declining. But guess what? What we're finding is that despite the statistical declines in marriage and in certain other things related to family, as you get out there and start talking to families, there are, we believe, there are a better type of families, a better kind of families existing today than at any other time in the future. I mean, if you go back to the 50s. In the past, you mean. Yeah, in the past. And any other time in the past. And the future's here. And, and in other words, you know, you could long for the families of the 50s or the 60s, which seemed to be stable in a lot of ways. But I'm telling you, the families that are working today, the families that are committed today are better families than the ones were in the past because they're more equal. There's, they're more of a partnership. There's more dad involvement. There's more sharing of the parenting. There's more teamwork in how the family's being run. I think there's a, I guess what I'm saying kind of awkwardly is there's a type of family that exists today that is a better family, a stronger family, a more solid family than at any time in the past. Yeah, at any time in history, I think. When you go back on some of the things that um, happened in families in the olden days, as we used to call it, and now our kids are asking us about the olden days, (laughs) which is really kind of disturbing. But, um, you know, it really is interesting. I mean, I I had wonderful parents, but different than any parents um, that are that I know now. But um, as I've been doing family history, I'm realizing that, you know, dads are always responsible and all of my ancestors were pretty amazing. But the family life was totally different. You had children. Yeah, it was so. They so could, yeah. They, you had children so that you could have help on the farm. I yeah, mean, that was yeah. your main reason. And now it has changed so much. And it was so regimented. The roles of the dad and the mom were so cut and dried. And and sometimes, let's be honest, at the expense of, of the woman and her liberation, that sometimes... Um, you know, the woman was expected to do everything. The mom was expected to do everything. Maybe that's why this is such a good day to talk about it. It used to be that Mother's Day deserved to be like 10 times bigger than Father's Day. But that's really not true anymore. And the interesting thing, Linda, is that the families that are doing best in all the studies and the polls and so on, it's it, it used to be, you know, if you were a more religious family, you were going to be a stronger marriage and a marriage that lasted longer and so on. That is still true to some extent today, but the families that are emerging as the ones least likely to divorce, the ones that share the responsibility of parenting best, and the ones that seem the most committed are not necessarily in any particular religious or non-religious category. They're, They're the ones who are educated. Educated people with college education are forming and continuing to have strong families, not because of some conviction uh, uh, that comes from uh, some kind of faith-based training, but because they have just concluded that living as a family, being married, being committed, having kids, 
that have a father and a mother is simply the best way to live. That's just the conclusion they've come to. And it's these people who are forming these incredibly strong, equal partnerships in their families. And it's these dads that we're honoring today. It is. And I think in this first half, we should just spend a few minutes talking about our own dads, because it's nice to reflect on your own father. And uh, maybe everybody doesn't didn't have a happy experience, but I think most people did, whether or not they um, lived up to exactly what they wish they were or whatever. Well, we all have memories of fathers that are good. And, and like you often point out, Linda, as time goes by, for most people, this isn't always true. The things we remember are the good things and the things we right. forget are the bad things. Right. And and I think, you know, I, I had an exceptional father who was 53 when I was born and 54 when my sister was born. He'd already had a life before he got to me. the 70s when you graduated from high school. Right. Uh, he actually had been married before. His wife had died of cancer. He was on his own for five years, and then he found my mother, who was 38, when um, and really, truly an old maid, really. I mean, you know, in those days, <laughs> that was a long time ago. And she was um, a school teacher. She was kind of a typical. Teacher. She was playing in dance bands all over the uh, all over Bear Lake Valley and Star Valley and playing the piano, and her dad was playing the fiddle, and she never had a chance to uh, date anybody because she was playing the piano all the time. But um, it <laughs> She really, couldn't dance because she was the dance band. <laughs> right. Um, so, But thinking back about my dad for just a minute, I he was just purely a saint. He had an eighth-grade graduation, speaking of education, but there was not a finer man who knew more about what was right and what was wrong. I think one of my the best lessons he taught me was one time my my really best friend was going to go bowling on Sunday, and to me that was oh my gosh that was a horrible thing to do on Sunday because you were, you know, spending money outside of the home and not really keeping the Sabbath day holy. And my dad said to me, Linda, don't judge people. That dad works all week long. He is not a member of the church, and this is the only day they have to be together as a family. Don't ever judge people. And boy, that has resonated with me for the rest of my life. Do not judge. Just um, love people for who they are. Well, I liked your dad pretty well, too, mainly because he said yes when I asked him for your hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was, he was a awesome. Guy. A wonderful sense of humor, a dry wit. And a farmer who worked so hard, he passed that work ethic down to me and Boy, also did he all ever. of our children. <laughs> well, and the, you know, we all have memories that come to us this weekend of our fathers. My my memories are very different because I lost my dad when I was 15. He was 39, and he died of cancer. And uh, so I I was grateful to have a father for the first 15 years of my life. And spent the rest of my life at least partially wishing I'd had him for a little longer. He would be 97 today if he had lived and uh, if he had kept living. And what a, what a dad he was. He taught me so many things. One of my most valued possessions is a handwritten letter that he actually wrote on the last day of his life. Um, and it has some fantastic advice. The one I always remember most is, just remember love, Ricky. He called me Ricky. 
Just remember love, Ricky. It surpasses everything else. It's the main thing the Savior taught. And if you practice love, everything else will take care of itself. And I uh, just treasure that letter, and I treasure my memory of him as a dad. And, and so you were 15, right? I was 15. With four younger siblings, the yeah, oldest. Yeah, and of course, five. tribute to my mom who carried on and, and raised all of us on her own. But, you know, we are paying tribute today on this Father's Day weekend to dads everywhere. And none of us are perfect. You know, sometimes Father's Day and Mother's Day, too, is a time when we feel guilt. We feel a little, gosh, I'm not as good as I should be and I wish I could do better. And I see other people who are better dads or better moms than I am. And, you know, we should get rid of that guilt because... I'll tell you, as Linda and I travel the world meeting with parents, there's no question in my mind that parents are doing the best they can with what they've got. There's not a lot of training for parents. There's a lot of parents who make a lot of mistakes, but we're all trying. And I think that's what we honor on Father's Day is that we're all trying. Dads you are know, doing their best. And, and in retrospect, I, our kids have started asking us to write stories about our childhood. This is the theme of our family old. this week. Yeah, <laughs> it does. And I have written so much about my ancestors and, and what I know about their childhood. But we have not um, written a lot. And I was just working on a story this morning and realizing that my mother was kind of a slave driver when it came to practicing music. And I, I resented that when I was a kid. But I had to do it. And now I'm looking back, even writing this morning, I was just thinking... <laughs> The reason that she was that way is because she learned to play by ear and then learning to play by notes was excruciatingly hard after she'd done that for all those years. And she wanted us to have that education to start out with. But that never occurred to me. I just felt like she was a taskmaster master standing over me all the time. Well, And, you know, you appreciate what your parents are doing in hindsight, but maybe not at the moment. We need to take a brief break, but we're, we're having a good time today talking about fathers and wishing everyone a happy Father's Day and happy Grandfather's Day, too, we might add. More and more grandfathers out there who are more and more involved with their grandkids. But we'll take a brief break, and when we come back, going to talk about a number of other things, including five myths about fathers, things that most think are true and that are actually not true. So we'll be back in a minute. Back Hang in a on. minute. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on... Father's Day weekend, wishing all of you fathers and grandfathers a happy weekend, including me. <laughs> <laughs> that was my line. Oh, sorry. Well, I just <laughs> you're a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Father's Day is always so fun. We have three kids out of, out of nine now in Utah. We've had one for 15 years, and suddenly two other kids moved back, so... So we're going to talk a little bit about starting out about five myths about fathers and families. And this is from a, a source that we really appreciate called um, called uh, Family Studies, Institute for Family Studies. A good friend of ours runs it and we always follow this. But let us let us tell you these five um uh, myths and let's let's it'll get us a little deeper into 
fathers and what they are. Number one is the Mr. Mom surge. There's kind of a myth right now that dads are becoming Mr. Mom in greater and greater numbers. That's really not quite true. In fact, only about 5% of all stay-at-home parents, which means the vast majority of stay-at-home parents are still moms. Only 5% are dads. And so it's not like we're suddenly shifting roles. But the point is, dads are far more involved, even though a small percentage of them are full-time dads. They are more equal partners with the parenting process within the home. Does that surprise you, Linda? Uh, no, I think that's exactly right. Um, they are becoming more and more uh, involved, but they're not as, I mean, they said, did they say about 1% of dads are really the stay-at-home? No, 5% of all stay-at-home parents are dads. 95% of stay-at-home parents yeah. are, are moms. And we know a stay-at-home dad who is fabulous. He's so great. He's on the PTA board and he's really into the world. And, and we think that's wonderful if it works that way. Myth number two, women want everything to be 50-50. That's another prevailing media myth, particularly in media is that contemporary women are looking for fathers who will split their time evenly between work and family life. And household duties, yeah. especially. But yeah. this is a myth. Most married mothers now nowadays, they do want their husbands to do their fair share of homework and child care, but they're not defining fairness in terms of 50-50. Parents are are smarter than that. And, and what, what we see happening is couples working it out according to their own skills and their own work schedules. And, you know, if, and, it, and it's a wide variety. There's no one template that fits all. And it doesn't mean 50-50 because equality is not necessarily sameness. There's some families where the dad does more than 50% of the diaper changing, for example, or whatever. And it's an individual formula that people form, but it's not based, the myth is right. that it, it has to on, all be 50-50. depends on what the partnership is doing. You know, if the wife is also working or the working person, then it has to change. And I don't know, I think 70-30 uh, happens a lot in marriages be, just because of the uh, constraints of what's going on in their lives. We always had... Um, you know, I mean, not to use us as necessarily a good example, but we we were very conscious while we were raising our kids of the fact that there were two main things we had to concentrate on a couple. One was what happened inside our home and one was what happened outside our home. So we we actually referred to it as our two limited partnerships, a limited partnership, meaning people have the same ownership, but one is more involved in in the partnership than the other and the outer partnership was mine and I was that was the career and the work and so on and Linda did a lot of things taught music and so on but I was the main person I was the general partner in the outer and Linda was the general partner in the inner and we made a point of meeting every week to to report to the other one on our general partnership what we were doing and making sure we were up to speed. Oh. So that's just one way of doing it. And that's the point of this second point on, on this myth is that it's not about sharing everything equally. It's about deciding creatively how to form a working partnership. Well, you've kind of brushed over that. We meet every week. I mean, uh, we did talk about it usually on Sundays briefly. 
a couple of times a month about what actually was going on. Well, no, we'd have a but, weekly Sunday session where that where we would review those two partnerships. Well, we weren't as consistent as you remember. But anyway, <laughs> it really we is, never missed a single Sunday, Linda. It is really important to, to differentiate that and know uh, this is my duty. This is your duty. And we're both helping and each other. And to talk about it and decide yeah, consciously yeah. so so both people are on board. Myth number three is that cohabitating dads are just the same as married dads. This is an interesting one. With the rise of cohabitation over the last 40 years, a large majority of American children will spend some time in a household headed by a cohabiting couple, not married. Experts now estimate that more than 40% of American children will spend some time in a cohabiting unmarried household, either because they're born into such a household or because one of the parents cohabits after a breakup. So faced with this reality, many journalists, scholars, and advocates are tempted to sort of minimize the difference between a married couple and a cohabiting couple. But the reality is that on average, this is, this is powerful, it's depressing in a way to think about this, but on average, cohabiting fathers do not compare with married fathers. They're more prone to leave their families, they're more prone to break up, um, the, the, the fact is that a cohabiting relationship is not as stable and not as good for children as a marriage, a marriage partnership. And incidentally, if you're interested in this, we'll have the link to this article, uh, on BYU radio, if you right. want to go to, go take a look at it. It's really fascinating. The, the fourth one, I'm just going to brush over cause it's depressing too. It's the myth that the kids are all right. Kids are durable. Kids can handle it. Every couple of years, some journalist seeks to revive the myth of the so-called good divorce. Oh, we had a divorce, but it was all good. And the kids were not affected. The fact is, and there's a lot of quotes in here from a really good article in Atlantic magazine that kids are always affected by divorce and Hardly any kid is unscathed by the divorce, and we just should well, know that. We yeah. just, we, you know, we're not saying divorce should never happen. We're just saying don't expect that there's such a thing as a good divorce. But there are absolutely good reasons to yeah. divorce, and uh, we've had a couple in our own family where it just was better for both the kids, the parents, and the kids to be separated because it became caustic. And there's really some um, advantages sure. to that also. For for sure. Now, the last myth, number five, and probably the best one for today on Father's Day, dads are dispensable. Uh, some journalists, and you see it a lot in the in the in the media, um, uh, the myth that the, the father's dispensable often conjured up the idea that you know single mothers can do just as well raising a kid as a mom and a dad, and and hasten to say. Some of our heroes in life are these wonderful single mothers who really are both dads and moms. In fact, I ran into a guy the other day who said, you know, um, I send my mom uh, a card every Father's Day yeah. as well as every Mother's yeah. Day because she was both a mother and a father to me. And I love her for, for, for that. But the myth fails to take into account the vast amount of scientific literature now showing that children statistically typically 
uh, on average, do much better in an intact married family with their fathers there in the home. So again, there's exceptions, but across the board, the best possible situation for a child contrary to this myth is to grow up with a mom and a dad. Right. And not always possible, but we thought that was a really fascinating um, a group of of ideas about dads because there are, you know, myths, we're fed myths all the time by the media and we believe them. I mean, the one of the worst ones for families being that it costs $350,000 to raise a child. Yeah, or some is, say, I've, I've read one the other day, $600,000 to raise a child. <laughs> now it's up to six hundred. Yeah. And they're oh counting that you have to have a separate room for each child and that you're going to send them to an Ivy League college and blah, blah, blah. Designer clothes and all that, you know. So, um, And that there's no possibility that the child could help um, when they become accountable to right. raise themselves. Right. So, Just the um, opposite of the old days where you had a child in order to get the work done on the farm. Right, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but you know, when you think about dads, there's just such a soft spot spot in my heart for my dad. And I know for a lot of you listeners, because, um, they may not have done everything just right, but wow, they really try, they really try hard and they, they teach important values, whether or not they're there all the time or not. And I also want to do another shout out to grandfathers there there, you know, there is a grandparents day. It's <laughs> I don't even know when October it is. October 9th. Yeah. Oh, I is it? Oh, you yeah. know that. Yeah. It's pretty minimal. But I wish there was a Grandfather's Day and a Grandmother's Day because we live in a world where, where grandparents are more and more important in the raising of children. In many cases, grandparents are raising children. And usually that's yeah. for some tragic reason or some um, reason that maybe we wish hadn't it's happened. very difficult, yeah. But... What I love to see is how active grand, grand, I'm going to talk about granddads for a minute. Some of you know I have a new little book, a little thin book out called Being a Proactive Grandfather. And uh, we'll put that on, on BYU website today too in honor of granddads. But the idea is we see more and more granddads who really get involved. They're, I mean, they're not just guys that come around and hand the kid a piece of candy every once in a while. They're, they're really aware of the children. They're in touch with the parents. They're saying, you are in charge of your children. I'm just an outside, I'm a grandpa, but I want to be a consultant. I want to be a helper. I want you to tell me when there's something you'd like me to work with on, on one of your kids. And we love going to games and other things and seeing granddads there with their kids learning, teaching. Uh, you have a social and, distance as a grandparent that you never had as a, as a dad. You're not in charge of discipline. Right. And sometimes you have the advantage of having a little extra financial um, resource that you can share with your grandkids, but not overdo it, especially not overdo it, because sometimes the grandparents are dumping yeah, stuff yeah. on kids that their parents <clears throat> are not uh, welcoming. But um, we have a little deal where Kids can write grants if they need a grant for something They can write special. grant proposals. It's one of the funnest things we do right now, don't you think, Linda? Uh, I do. In fact, we were just up at Bear Lake with a bunch of kids, a whole <laughs> bunch of kids. In fact, there were 13 kids up there with one mom taking care of them. And it was a long story. But anyway, she was fabulous. She's um, super, super mom. But anyway, we were had some experiences with them this week that have been so great. But this one, these two boys, they're 12 and 13, when I got there, 
they said, we have a great idea for our grant. We are going to create the most amazing thing it involves two uh, kayaks that you cut off the ends and then we're going to make a chair to sit in the middle. <laughs> they had so it all drawn up. And then it'll flip around and then they have cu cup holders and, you know, all this crazy grandfather, do you on. think we could submit a grant proposal on this? And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'll have to think about that one. But we, we do have this thing and it's been fantastic over the years where if kids want to go on a, on a field trip or some little study abroad thing or, or some, some abroad other thing, thing where they, they can't raise the money we do a 50 50 thing we say if you can raise half of that money we'll match it and you you know and the, but they have to write a grant proposal and they've gotten pretty good at it. anyway lots of things grandparents can do and hello to those dads and happy father's day on this weekend we love you and appreciate all that you do and we'll see you next week on Ires on the road bye bye